step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com and download our episodes for free on iTunes and SoundCloud. <laughs> on today's Imperfect Podcast, we're interviewing Sam Sherman. He's a writer, producer, and a distributor of films. He's the founder of Independent International Pictures. And we've already had one interview with him. And this is the second part of that interview. We got a chance to go to his house in New Jersey, where he invited us, uh, the whole crew over. Um, and he served us cheese and little bits of uh, drink. So it was a good time. We really appreciate him taking his time out of his busy schedule to sit and talk with us. So um, Sam and Sal, let's hear it from you guys. Well, Sam, welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Thank you for having us to your home. So I was curious what you thought about filmmakers today and the distribution landscape and what it's like for filmmakers looking to get their work out there today. Well, I've been in contention with the major studios from the beginning. Mm -hmm. When I realized that I was not going to crack them, that I was not going to be involved with them as I wanted to be originally, it made me declare my oath of independence and it meant as an independent I'd be in contention with them. Well, sometimes I'm not, but my own opinion is they're to blame for everything that's happened in this industry because they run most of the industry and they've done a lot of stupid things. As a result, they've hurt the whole industry. I mean, in the past year, Paramount and Warner's both fired a third of their employees on the West Coast. I mean, it's a horrible thing. They employ a lot of people. You're talking about how the economy in L.A. is being hurt. But as far as young people go, I've tried to encourage young filmmakers because as I started out, I met veteran people in the industry, whether it was Otto Preminger or John Wayne or Erwin Pizer at Hemisphere or whoever I met. They were always very nice to me. They always encourage me. So I always want to encourage the next crew coming up and the next group that are coming up. Well, it's tough today, tougher than it was, because it's hard to get into the major studios. They control today maybe 95% of the theatrical market, and that's the major market. And uh, when I look back, the independents used to control 35% of the market. That meant that the studios only had 65%. Mm -hmm. They hated to see it when we were making all the money and they weren't because we were making more horrific or sexier pictures, whatever they had, and they were making very old-fashioned movies. They hadn't grown with the change in the marketplace, mm -hmm. but they certainly are smart. 
you know, when somebody picks up on a, an idea, such as Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity, uh, which is an awful picture. I went to see it. I had to walk out on it. It was a non-movie waste of time. And yet, there were two or three sequels to it. They're making mega millions of dollars. You can't possibly understand why that is or even be influenced by it because it's so freakish. It's so impossible. It's like the boob tube in a way. No matter what we try to do, as much as that it was influenced by a movie called The Groove Tube before it, no matter what we try to do to clone the boob tube, we couldn't do it. It just, nothing would do it. And the same thing, if you looked at paranormal activity, you say, well, that's a great idea. I'll make a picture like that. I'll go to Paramount. I'll listen to the other. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's just so weird and freakish that nobody has succeeded in copying. And if you look at what pictures the majors make today, they're big production pictures because they are Batman and Superman or whatever it is that they're making based on big comic things, based on this, or it's a big Tom Hanks movie. But they're well-directed. They're shot all over the world. These pictures are costing $100 million and more. It means it's a very hard thing. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible, but one has to realize, especially young filmmakers, when you get started, that the cards are stacked against you. And you're saying, well, I'm thinking I want to go into an industry that doesn't want me. At the time, when I started out, (laughs) it wasn't an industry that didn't want me. It didn't care one way or the other about me. Mm -hmm. Couldn't care less If I wanted to do something or not do something, nor would they guess what I would end up doing. They didn't care. They were doing their own thing. Today, they don't want you at all. So how do you get around that? You have to look at what is going on. And today, we're seeing things change so amazingly fast. We've seen the growth of internet, internet movies, programming, all that sort of thing. And where is that going? Nobody knows. Not even the studios know. They don't have a guess as to where it's going. But the one thing we can look at is where the stocks are going. You've got companies like uh, Alphabet that owns Google and YouTube. Their stock is over $900 a share. Amazon. Their stock is over $900 a share. Now, Disney, they own studios, two theme parks, great library of movies, a great company with branded entertainment, and their stock is probably $30 a share. Mm -hmm. Who would believe that? It's a weird, weird business today. I can only give one piece of advice, and that's my credo. Never give up. On the other hand, I want to point something out. I suggested you fellows looked at Nurse Sherry. Mm-hmm. And Nurse Sherry was made for nothing, as next to nothing as could be. When we wanted to have a picture like that, I said to Al, we've got no money right now to give you to do a picture. We just don't. But we have money that's due. Go out and put a second mortgage on your house 
and we'll do this picture. Well, what a partner is that? Who, what partner would do that? Al was like my brother. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, if you know the story of Al, he was sadly murdered. Do you fellows know anything about that? No, I did not know about that. Well, look him up on the internet. Go to Google and look up Al Adamson murder. You'll read the whole story about it. Mm -hmm. It was like my own brother. I never had a brother. I have a sister, but no brother. But we started this company together. We made all these pictures. We did a lot of great things together. And uh, Al was murdered by a man who was rebuilding his house down in Indio, that's south of Palm Springs. It was a great tragedy. He went missing for a long time. We looked for him. We brought the police in and the FBI and all that sort of thing. Eventually, he was found entombed in his house. It's a horrible story. But on the other hand... Al would say, because he's gone now, spell the name right. He's gotten a lot of publicity. And uh, it's a funny thing that happened. Six months before he died, he said something to me that was so strange. And life can be very weird. And if you're in horror and weird pictures, you'd expect weird things to happen. And uh, we had a little gag, one of our many kind of personal things that we had that we talked back and forth. I'd say, Al, I want you to do something for me. And he'd say, what is it? I said, I'm not telling you. You have to agree first. <laughs> well, who would do that? What a relationship we had. I, he'd say, okay, I agree. What is it? And I'd say, da 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 And he would do that, whatever it is. Uh, and only once did he say to me, I've got something I want you to do for me. I said, okay, what do you want? He said, no, no, I'm not going to tell you. You have to agree first. You're mm -hmm. always doing that to me. I said, okay, I agree. What do you want? And he said, I want you to do three things. Number one, I want you to tell my story to the world. What I've directed, what I've done, how I had the career, what sort of thing. Number two... I want you to keep the films that I've directed in distribution so that people can see them. And number three, I want you to finish the UFO film that we were working on. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't finished that film. It sort of bothers me, especially since I gave my word on it. It means a lot to me. And in the case of Tell my story to the world. I worked on a book called Schlockorama, the films of Al Adamson, done by David Conow. That's a really good book. It tells the whole story of this. Then we had an E True Hollywood story about Al. That was big. And I was following the background of Ed Wood. He had a book written about him. Then he had a documentary done about him, and then he had a movie done about him. So we're working on doing a movie about Al and myself making these pictures and all that, and we've been working on that for a number of years. But in general, I've kept Al's name out in front. I've been interviewed by people. I've told about him, discussed all these things. <clears throat> we have... A film by the name of Dracula versus Frankenstein. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. That's probably one of the more popular films on the horror genre, right? Everybody knows Dracula versus Frankenstein. It's very popular. Mm -hmm. It's very popular, and uh, 
it went through several levels of reshooting and changing. It was a film that started life as kind of a spin-off after Satan Sadus with some same people involved. And it was originally called The Bloodseekers. And uh, the picture was rushed into production. Al wasn't really ready, but he was being pushed by other people, rushed into production, and uh, a lot of things were not right on it. And he sent the work print in. That's how we worked on film. You would have a copy of your negative called a work print that was edited, picture and sound, and you could screen that, and eventually you'd match the negative to conform to that. So he sent, sent us that work print, and uh, we screened it in New York. We screened it for Dan Kennis and myself, and some people would put up some money into this thing. Mm -hmm. They hated it. Oh, my God. They hated it. And they said, better to take your first loss early. We don't want to release this film. And this, well, I wasn't thrilled with this. Sure. Put a lot of effort into it. And I said, there's nothing I can do at the moment. Well, let's see if we can do something. So I said to Dan Kennis, would you mind if I try to fix this thing up? Because I had a background as a film editor and a writer. I wanted to, I belonged to the school of waste not, want not. Let me see what I could do with it. He said, okay. So I brought in a moviola, which we didn't have, a big editing machine that was into the office where we were. And I started looking at it, looking at it. And the main mad doctor in the picture was played by J. Carroll Nash. He was an Academy Award nominee or winner, been in a lot of major pictures. Mm -hmm. And there were five or six other well-known actors in it. Lon Chaney was in that. Yeah, movie. there were other people in it. And uh, to make a long story short, the leading man, played by Tony Isley, was talking to Regina, who was Al's wife-to-be. She was the leading lady in this thing. And they're talking about the character that J. Carroll Nash is playing. And he says, it's a strange uh, amusement pier run down by the shore by a peculiar Dr. DeRay, at least that's what he calls himself. Well, I'm thinking to myself, there, you know, in a one sentence, could be a, a very, very great concept. Now, if that's at least what he calls himself, maybe somebody else, who could he be? I decide he's really Dr. Frankenstein, the last of the Frankensteins. <laughs> and I decide to change the picture in that direction. And if we put Dra Frankenstein in, we could put Dracula in also for good measure. You had one, you should have the other. Mm -hmm. So I uh, tell this to uh, Dan Kennis. He says, I don't know how you can do anything with this. This thing is so awful and so on and so forth. And it was badly edited. That's an important thing to always have good editors and we did because there was a lab involved with this and they supplied the editor and he was an amateur and he did a bad job. And I went out to the coast and I talked to him. This young guy starts crying. I'm sorry I ruined your picture. How do you like that? 
I'm sorry I ruined your picture. I didn't know what I was doing. I've worked on a few documentaries, but I really am not a good editor. I said, wait a second. Get over this. We'll make you a good editor. You'll, you'll work on this. I'll show you what to do. We'll fix this. No. He kept crying. And we just couldn't do anything with him. So I had to find a good editor, which we did, to fix up the original material. And then reshoot the whole thing into what became Dracula versus Frankenstein. Well, there's another case of waste not, want not, and this becoming something you couldn't kill off with a stick. Still around, still playing. It's just now on Blu-ray. It's going out in another Blu-ray. The TV distributor's MGM. MGM? Hey, when I grew up, they owned Lowe's Theaters. I grew up in the Bronx, Lowe's Theaters across the block. MGM and Lowe's was the number one big studio, big company. Here's my Dracula versus Frankenstein being distributed to television by MGM. <laughs> it's just one of these weird things, how we license it one place and end up with MGM. So I end up being very friendly with MGM uh, because they have some pictures that we have and vice versa. And the, the point is, that that became a great cult film. It just became a great cult film. And there's a producers now that are working with us to remake it. It's all kinds of weird things cool. going on. But, you know, you, I'll tell you. Well, you're still working. You're not retired. You're no. still running the company, right? That's right. I'm still so here. So what's, what's still in the future for international films? Well, you... independent international. <coughs> Sorry. What's in the future is continuing to keep our library in release, mm -hmm. making new films, working with young filmmakers, encouraging them, see if we can do something with them, and figuring out a way that we can deal with this strange market that exists today. People ask the question many times, how did we get films into distribution? Did we know someone? Did we know circuits? Did we know anybody? Did we know? We knew nobody. We came in off the street. We didn't know anything. I had one film when I started. It was before Independent, but I had my company, Signature Films, and I had The Scarlet Letter, and I went up to Boston, and I went up to see a man by the name of Sam Richmond, he was a distributor in Boston. There were these regional distributors. They don't have them anymore, so that's unfortunate. But there were, oh, maybe uh, around the country, 500 of them. And to cover the whole country, you needed 30 or 40 of them. And they would cover uh, New England, upstate New York, Cincinnati area, Chicago, Los Angeles. San Francisco, Dallas, uh, down in the south. Uh, we had areas like Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And major cities that you knew. And that would be the key to the whole area. These people would be in these areas. Now, Denver Dixon, Al Adamson's father, knew some of them in the south. And some of the areas that he was distributing an old western he and Al had made called Halfway to Hell, 
and he was down in those areas. So we worked in that with Denver. Denver was working us there, but he didn't know every area. He was used to that system of sub-distributors going back to the silent days. But I went up to um, Boston where the Scarlet Letter is based in New England, Salem, Massachusetts, that area, thinking that I get a good sub-distributor up there, he'll help us get the picture played. We never played it in New England. This guy had no interest in this at all. Took a trip up to Boston trying to get him interested in the Scarlet Letter. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in old pictures. I'm interested in sexy pictures, horror pictures, things for the drive zone. That was the turning point for me to come up to New England where somebody should have been interested in a great classic literary screen classic history of the area and all that. Not a bit. Not a bit. Not interested at all. So I realized when he, I said, well, what's making money for you? He showed me the kind of pictures. I realized we're forced to go with the market. We're forced to go with the market. Mm -hmm. Whatever that market dictates. Sure. And that would be, you know, kind of exploitation product. And out of forgetting technology and forgetting um, the distribution landscape, what do you think is either different or the same about filmmaking today versus in the 70s? Well, let's say what's different or the same. Number one, the thing that's always interesting to me is how cheaply can you make a film? That's, to me, the, the real interest. How cheaply can you make a film? Well, at the time, if we were shooting a film on 35 millimeter film, if nobody else got paid, you had to pay for the film stock and the lab to develop it, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Today, you don't have that. We had then made some films shot in 16 millimeter and blown up to 35 because that cut the cost up front way, way down. Satan Sadist was shot in 16. Dracula versus Frankenstein was shot in it. Pictures that were big and popular were shot in 16. Mm -hmm. But I didn't like it. I didn't want that. I wanted to shoot in 35. And some of them in widescreen and cinemascope type formats. Sure. But today, you've got digital. Not even videotape. When there was videotape, you had to pay for the tape. Today, digital is digital. You've got your digital equipment. You've got hard drives to put it on. It doesn't have to cost anything. So what's the real thing that contributes to a movie? The one great thing that all movies have in common. And that's the secret. And that great thing is ideas. Ideas are more important than money. If you had a picture that cost $400 million dollars, and it was stupid, idiotic thing that no one cared about. Who cared? Or if it's something you shot on digital that <clears throat> cost zero, but the idea was great, that's what made it great. So anything else you guys want? No, I have one more question. Just okay, next. go ahead. How would you say, let's say you said everything is an idea, okay? Let's say you have the biggest idea. You think this will make millions. Forget about it. How do you protect that? Anybody can steal anything. Uh, they could change it a little bit. But the one thing you can do that costs nothing is the Writers Guild of America allows you to register written things with them. 
Now there, uh, right is Guild East. I think they're on 57th Street in Manhattan. You can take a script, a story, a one-page idea, or anything, and register it free with the Writers Guild uh, East, and uh, you've got it there. And then if you write uh, to somebody who's ripped you off, you say, uh, we're going to take you to court and sue you, and my thing is registered with the Writers Guild of America. And that's respected in this industry everywhere. That answer your question? Very good. Thank you. Excellent. Sam. Or another idea is to send a copy of it to yourself also, certified mail. Uh, you have proof that you have a dated thing. But there's something about the Writers Guild that sounds better than what it is. But uh, you can look it up on the Internet and see what it is. And, you, know, you can always ask me. Want some advice? Say, how do you protect you this? Go. How do you do this? Whatever it is. Very cool. Sam, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. This was really great. We learned a lot, and you were a lot of fun. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.